0: Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. How are things over in Heartland?
1: I'm good, and you can be cool with a minivan, <laughs> Thank can't you. you? I mean, it's, you probably have to work a little harder at it, but I, I think you still can be, yeah. Or put
0: your air conditioning on, that's guaranteed then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's. I, before I forget, I want to say thank you to Steve and Nancy Braun for a really uh, nice card, and I really appreciate it. And also thanks to Denny Pressure. Denny lives in New Richland. He's an old classmate of mine, and uh, Denny had more bird seed than he could ever feed his critters, he said. <laughs> so he borrowed over a big bucket of bird seed for me yesterday and
0: that well, was was he hoarding nice. at the beginning of the covid like everybody's hoarding toilet paper except he decided he would go get bird seed
1: <laughs> it, it's kind of a he has a. Uh, I don't know when you're my age you're still girlfriends and boyfriends i think he has a, a girlfriend okay who has oh. a has pet birds oh and And she tries different things if the birds don't like them. She gives them to Dennis and says, here you go. You can feed your (laughs) birds in the backyard with it. And I I put some out yesterday, and our birds seem to like them. So it's odd because folks that have parrots and parakeets and things, there's, like, colored things in there. I'm not sure what they are. They're pink and yellow and but. You know, if the birds won't eat them, I can put them on this one platform feeder for the squirrels. So there will be one squirrel between chipmunk, red squirrel, and fox squirrel. One of them will eat it, so it hmm. works out pretty well. And I, I appreciate Denny doing that.
0: Was there any Milo in it? Is what I want to know. Do they do those?
1: There, there? is oodles of Milo in it.
0: So yeah. do those captive birds, and they must eat it, or is that filler for them as well?
1: I would guess by the looks of the pail, it's filler for them oh, as well dear, so, yeah, <laughs> okay. it's just poor Milo, and a lot of folks call it sorghum. It's just not uh it's not good bird food here, and uh I know I've mentioned it a few times, but you get out west, there are several bird species that will eat it, but boy, here it's. If you're buying bird seed, folks, and you see a lot of those little things that look like BBs or cake decoration, those little, I don't know what those little sugar balls that we used to put on cakes and cupcakes, only they're kind of reddish color, Uh, don't get them. I think radish seeds, you mentioned, is another Mm -hmm. thing uh, they look like, and they're just, they're not good. Aren't they just good for rodents
0: pretty much? So you're just leaving them for the rodents? I think
1: uh, probably rodents and uh, shrews and mice would probably appreciate that. And uh, who knows what else is down in there in that jungle we call lawns that's out there saying hot dog milo. But they probably aren't birds is the problem. I thought of Yosemite Sam the other day. I I don't know how many people think of Yosemite Sam, but I think of him every so often. And I didn't even see a car or truck with those mud flaps with Yosemite Sam saying back off on them. (laughs) I just... I, I remember Yosemite Sam saying, you carrot-chomping, flop-eared, bob-tailed <laughs> rabbit, I hope your innards turn to outards and your ears go vicey-versy. I hates rabbits. <laughs> Yosemite Sam said that a lot. And I wonder if he had a garden. Uh, I don't hate rabbits, but I yell at rabbits. Yes. Um, unable to wave them away because I need both hands—one to pull weeds and the other to <laughs> slap biting insects. But uh, I just—oh golly—they're just—they're uh, so cute, and you know we just say, oh, the cute little. But a lot of them have a bit of Bugs Bunny in them, so they're—they're uh, they're rascally. Or as Elmer Fudd would say, going along that same vein, uh, wascally wabbits. And they are uh, they are out there. And, you know, I hear from folks saying, I don't have any rabbits this year. That has never, ever, ever been my problem. No. I've always had rabbits. I've had plenty of rabbits. And I don't have to worry about how they're doing. I'm checking the rain gauge regularly to determine my watering duties so that vegetable garden needs an inch of rain per week. And being a lazy fella at heart, I, if it uh, if I get enough rain, that saves uh, quite a little bit of watering, which is a good thing all around. Um, milkweed and wild parsnip are blooming. In, uh, and uh, Milkweed's in the yard here and a little bit down in the ditches, but wild parsnip. It was brought to North America by European settlers, of course, and grown as a root vegetable. And it escaped from cultivation, and is now common throughout the U.S. It grows maybe, well, six feet tall, has compound leaves that are arranged in pairs, and they have sharply-toothed leaflets, that to me are kind of shaped like mittens. I know not everybody sees them that way. They have yellowish-green flowers. They have umbrella-shaped clusters. These umbels are maybe six inches wide at the most. And they contain many small five-petal flowers that bloom from June through August and again it's highly invasive, it replaces native plant habitat, but the worst thing for us probably is it's sap contains these toxic chemicals that are activated by sunlight and when it interacts with particularly sweaty skin, it can cause really serious burns and blisters. So if you're out there uh, you know doing something where there's tall grass and you see these yellow flat-topped plants that are very tall, be, be alarmed. Uh, Catbird tossed out a bunch of random notes that had slapped together. It sounded as if the bird had a good attitude this morning, so I'm happy to hear that. Uh, red-winged blackbirds, song sparrows, indigo buntings, red-eyed vireo singing, here I am, where are you, repeatedly, and common yellowthroats all still sing. And the yellow throats is a galloping, wichity-wichity tune. And I heard a bobolink sounding like R2-D2, <laughs> and they over-caffeinated R2-D2. And it's great to hear in these uh, crazy times. Birdsong is a sign of normalcy to me, and I, I just love hearing them. On hot days, I saw a number of species of birds, chickadee, catbird, grosbeak, goldfinches, sunning themselves on platform feeders. So a bird tilts to one side, spreads its feathers, and exposed its bare skin to the sun. And I'm guessing that likely drives away some lice and mites. And they look like little baby chicks falling asleep under a brooder lamp. Uh, it's kind of a sad note already. Some Baltimore Orioles will be leaving by the end of this month. By the end of July, some of them leave us already. We hardly knew you. You just got here, and now you're leaving. Uh, peak migration, though, is August to early September. Most will migrate to Central America and Northern South America. All, some will overwinter in the Southern U.S., I'm seeing young robins flying about the yard. They look like their parents, except for the spotted breasts. I'm listening for cicadas here, but I haven't heard any in my yard yet. I hear them every July. And folks, if you see a dead crow on the road, it will likely be a young one, unwise to the dangers of cars. I had a gray tree frog clinging to the window on the on the door here. It was feeding on insects attracted to lights. Has these sticky toe pads that allows it to remain firmly planted there. I saw a firefly on a day lily. If I'd have named the characters on I don't know why I thought of this, but I'm looking at the day lily. And if I'd have named the characters on gunsmoke, Marshall Dillon would have been Marshall. Peregrine. Matt Peregrine, the fastest gun, because, boy, Peregrines can really fly fast. I just think that would have been perfect. Miss Kitty would have been called Miss Daylily. I'm not sure why. I just thought Daylily. And then, of course, Festus would have been Festus, because, boy, there was no better name for Festus. Uh, the Yard's mulberry trees, gifts from the late Les Schroeder of Alden, uh, they've been trembling as if they have a keen understanding of the world's situation. The trees are not nervous, at least I don't think they are. Birds are feeding on the berries and causing this quivering. I watched robins, orioles, cardinals, blue jays, thrashers, catbirds, grackles, and a great crested flycatcher feed. I watched the great crested flycatcher because they're supposed to be, well, flycatchers. And he was eating a lot of those mulberries, so I ate a few berries myself. I saw a turkey vulture dining on a skunk that had lost a game of chicken with a car. Uh, It makes me wonder, what is a bad meal to a vulture? I I can't imagine anything. If they can eat skunk, if if the loss of the sense of smell is an early symptom of COVID-19, thanks to that skunk, I've learned I'm okay. (laughs) I could smell it. So that's a good sign. Uh, Don Grusing wrote, he said uh, some ducks in the road caused him to slow down. There were nine little ducklings, but with two hens tending the brood. And he was wondering, two moms, what's the deal there? Frequently, two mothers will band together to help protect their young. I think uh, folks probably see that most likely in uh, Canada geese, but mallards will occasionally do that as well. Uh, Michael Bonner. Of Cortland said he saw a cute sight today: Mama Downy Woodpecker pecking at the suet on one side of the hanging cage, hopping up to the top of said cage and giving the suet to Junior. Aw, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one of those things that always makes us, you know, oh, you know, it's like, um, Dad, uh, Dad, this would be Mom teaching uh, somebody how to find food, how to make food, or dad teaching a a son how to oil up a baseball glove, all those kind of, uh, how to ride a bicycle. It's one of those kind of Mm -hmm. uh, aw things. Uh, Michael also, he has a uh, chestnut. He said, after it flowered this year, there was an abundance of newly formed chestnuts growing nicely, about the size of marbles, soft and green, and then overnight they all disappeared. He said, my first guess was squirrels, but as far as I know, they're not nocturnal. Yeah, boy, that would have been my guess. Maybe they got up really early in the morning. Uh, Deer love to eat the chestnuts when they're mature, but I've not noticed them eating immature ones. I I don't know what a raccoon maybe eat a few groundhogs will eat young trees and the leaves uh, deer will browse the trees I I, I don't know Michael but uh, please let me know when you find out because you will find out
0: Hey Al uh, he also, I, yeah. oh I'm sorry I was gonna say I got a, just got a note from Carl in Morristown who he has written in before he, he says yes. Mister Bat can you tell us about certain aphids being born pregnant. The bug world is very strange. Thanks, and keep up the good work. I've never heard that, so uh, yeah, it, let's let us know uh, about this.
1: Yeah, I read something years ago about that—that that they were born with the ability to uh, reproduce themselves. Wow! Which uh, I don't know—I don't remember, Carl, sadly, which aphids they were. But it's—it's it, it's a frightening world. And if I remember correctly, I, I want to say the, the article, oh, I, I don't remember what it was in, but it was said that most aphids are born pregnant. Weird. <laughs> so, yeah, so they can, uh, as I would say in the Bible, they can beget females without, uh, you know, the need of wasted males. So it's uh, it, it's incredible how they do that and i don't know what percentage are they they don't lay they eggs a lot of them they just uh, they're pregnant uh, do
0: I, do they have it, males then are there even males in existence or do they need them
1: <laughs> oh you know we need uh, something as a, a bad comparison to say <laughs> well, at least you're better than those guys over there I, I think they probably still are males. What good are they? You know, I hear that a lot. Uh, not so much about aphids, but about humans. I, I, it's just that most aphids are born pregnant, which is just yeah. an amazing, amazing thing. And I, I'm going to look that up, Carl. Where I read that, I'm sure I kept it somewhere and it's probably um, all over other places now too but it was in a magazine i believe that i read that and thinking wow Uh, uh, michael uh, and thank you carl appreciate you very much michael bonner also said he has yellow common yellow throats and he was wondering how common common yellow throats are Common yellow throats are common nesters, and their witchety-witchety call is frequently heard. I heard one this morning as I walked down to get the mail. So they do nest around here, tiny little warblers with a black mask. Ellendale Jim Loggison, who oddly enough is from Ellendale, said, Every year I look forward to a new family of turkeys visiting our yard. This year a mother and five poults finally showed up except they seemed to stay clear of the yard. We could see them on the driveway and in the tall grass. The mother seemed very cautious. This morning I was surprised to see four of the poults under the bird feeder near the house, but no mom. What happened? Is there anything I can do for these orphans? You know, uh, turkeys are incredible. At two weeks of age, the poults are capable of flying up into tree roofs. And uh, you've, a lot of you have probably seen how turkeys do that. They fly up to a lower one, and then they move up and move up the tree a little bit. So they can, at two weeks of age, they can hit probably those lower limbs and move up later. And a week or two later, the hen and her surviving poults join a hen and poult flock consisting of several family groups of hens, and they're young, and occasionally hens that hadn't had any hadn't raised a brood. Uh, Poult survival through that first month of life has varied. Uh, published studies anywhere from 11 to 76 percent. Talk about varying. A lot of it would be habitat. I'm sure the number of predators available. The male poults stay with their mom through the fall, but the females will remain with their mother until the next spring. By 16 weeks, the young poults are hard to distinguish from adults at a distance. Uh, Jim, this is a really long way of saying they should be okay without human help. Uh, they certainly are survivors. Uh, Clarence Holm, an old friend from Ormsby, Minnesota, said he had this gigantic wasp. Uh, he didn't say it was a Godzilla wasp, but I kind of got that uh, idea from him, and you know the droning of cicadas during hot weather is a familiar sound and one of the predators of cicadas is a cicada killer wasp this black and yellow females are up to two inches long males are about half that they look intimidating but they're not aggressive the male wasps don't have stingers The females can sting, but they have little inclination to do so. They sting cicadas, carry the paralyzed victims to a burrow excavated in sandy or loose soils. They lay an egg on the cicada in the nest chamber, and the female egg gets a second or third cicada. Because a female larva is larger than a male, she needs more food. The chamber is sealed and the process repeated. The egg hatches, the larva consumes the cicadas, spins a cocoon, and overwinters underground, emerging from the ground in July or August. The adults feed on flower nectar and plant sap, mate and lay eggs, and live two to six weeks. So it's, it's a really neat story with kind of a, a creepy horror movie background to it. Uh, Stuart Sparkman said, this morning I saw one of the local wild turkey hens sunning herself in the backyard at the edge of the woods. And after a while she ambled away and four little poults stumbled along in her wake. Some years ago, a hen with young was hanging around the yard. And over the course of a few weeks, we watched her clutch diminish from an impressive 13 poults down to seven or so. Said, Still, it's a good result, and the babies of hawks, owls, foxes, raccoons, and weasels need something to eat, too. Uh, Bobby Forster, who lives in the suburbs of Hollandale, if anybody's ever been to Hollandale, you can imagine the the suburbs are pretty sparse, uh, sent a recording and asked if I could identify it. It was a yellow-billed cuckoo. And she also asked, could you suggest a good app that would identify bird songs? Uh, One of the nice ones, and it's free, is an Audubon. Uh, You can go to uh, your app store and find the Audubon birds. Uh, Check to see how much um, space it's going to use. I don't think it's too terribly bad on that, but that's always a concern. Uh, Gary Johnson sent a nice uh, photo of himself a modeling a fine-looking hat from the uh, Wildlife Rehabilitation Center up in uh, the Twin Cities. So right now Gary and the WRC are certainly uh, heroes to me. Uh, Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye found three blue grosbeaks in Brown County. He said one was uh Oh, by, oh, I can't remember the name. There's a large gravel mining operation. It's on 445th Avenue, I know that, and I don't remember the name. This is my problem, my fault, not Brian's. But he found two of them there. There's uh, also somebody found one in Nicollet County and somebody found one in Watanwan County. Uh, Brian Smith said he also found a blue grosbeak singing from a grove of trees along another gravel pit a few miles east of the town of lamberton in redwood county and a redneck grebe's on the marsh at the Wanda WMA. One of the adult grebes had three grown juveniles with it, so really cool to see that. In Wasika County, they've seen trumpeter swans, common galley new, and a yellow-breasted chat that I've never seen in Freeborn County. It's my nemesis bird. I want to see one of those. So, somebody, to, if you see it in Wasika County, please send it south. Uh, Freeborn County here. Somebody saw a broad-winged hawk and this one you probably know too karen uh, somebody emailed me and said my grandmother grandmothers are always telling us stuff aren't we that we remember my grandmother told me that peonies or if you prefer peonies, peonies. Uh-huh. M- yeah my family was peonies so you know he had to be on one side or the other uh need ants to bloom true myth myth yeah and it's it's an oft-repeated one, too, isn't it? Because yes. we've all heard that. When
0: and you always see the, them on there, so you assume that, oh, well, the peonies, when they're about to open, they're covered with ants, so you assume, like, oh, they must be there, but it's a thing called mutualism, isn't it?
1: Exactly. It's a type of mutualism, and when you come there, the ants are ready to attack, too. They just come right over yeah. and say, hey, watch <laughs> it, pal. I, this is our, we got this block. The peonies... The flowers provide food for the ants, and in turn, ants provide protection from uh, harmful insects. And uh, they have peonies have these nectaries that secrete nectar composed of sugars, amino acids, lipids, and other organic compounds that are a source of food for ants. So it works out pretty well for, uh, for everybody. The same listener also said, how do ants find food? You know they send out scouts, so you're a scout ant, and you don't have a map or anything. They just said, your job, go find, uh, go find some food. So you just kind of wander around. You, you walk randomly until she finds some, and then she takes a tiny piece of those eats back to the nest, and she leaves a trail of scent-emanating pheromones for other ants to follow. And she's a heroine for that. I'm sure they really appreciate her. A uh, text message from Jay, with just the initial Jay. How many birds are there in Minnesota? Uh, I'm sure Jay is talking about species and not individual birds. Uh, There are 313 regular species. And what do we mean by regular species? Those uh, that are seen here, 9 out of 10 years. So if you see this bird, nine out of 10 years, it's a regular species. There's around 240 species that nest here. It depends on who you ask. I see some that are saying 235 and some 246, but it's around 240. And the total number of species that have been documented in the state is 446. So that's a lot of species. Uh, I have one here, and I just uh, turned sheet to the wrong side, I think. Brandon Caswell found uh, singing clay-colored sparrows in the southeast corner of Winnebago County in, uh, that be in Iowa. He also found a trumpeter swan pair with five cygnets at the Union Slough National Wildlife Refuge. And Norma May said, "Most years, house finches, common deer, one of two hanging baskets on my front porch." And I talked to Gary Johnson about that. I said, "Boy, if you, I could almost be sure your bird was a house finch if it was in a hanging basket. This one wasn't, but the one he did take up to the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center was a house finch." And said, for the first time ever, Norma May goes on. Joining the five eggs was a larger egg and it hatched first, as cowbird eggs apparently do. Soon another chick hatched, but the other eggs seemed to vanish. No other chicks hatched. What happened? There's over 220 host species of the brown-headed cowbird have been described. Birds as small as kinglets to as large as meadowlarks, and... Brown-headed cowbirds tend to choose nests containing eggs of smaller volume than their own. And uh, there was a fellow, Jeffrey Hoover, I think his name was, he was an avian ecologist, or he is an avian ecologist, working out of Illinois, and he documented what was known as a mafia behavior. Scientists observed the uh, effects of removing brown-headed cowbird eggs from a parasitized warbler nest. So you're out there and you see these, you say, I'm going to get rid of the cowbird eggs. 56% of the cases, cowbird mothers returned and ransacked the nest, destroying most of all the eggs. So what happened is you really ticked the mama cowbird and she extracted vengeance on the other eggs. Comparatively, comparatively, six percent of nests were destroyed when humans didn't interfere. So from fifty-six percent down to six. Some birds, like a yellow warbler, they can recognize cowbird eggs, but they're too small to get the eggs out of the nest, so they build a nest over them. Some larger species puncture or grab cowbird eggs and throw them out of the nest. Young cowbirds develop at a faster pace than their nest mates, and they sometimes toss out eggs and young nestlings or smother them in the bottom of the nest.
0: Sounds so like a bad neighborhood. I don't know that I want to be in their <laughs> neighborhood.
1: <laughs> it's nobody to mess with, these cowbirds. so I think that's what happened, Norma. I hope everybody is staying well and as my wife will remind me seventy-five times today stay hydrated Alan so uh, everybody stay hydrated there's a lot of wonderful things to drink just good old water I like water with a little touch of lemon or lime in it and man it's good I I was thinking about you know you can't help but think of things when I was a dear boy parents told their children I told you to go before we left home, but if you can't wait, <laughs> but don't touch anything. My mom always said, don't touch anything. It took strength, courage, and a flashlight to use a gas station bathroom in those dark days. There were, they were grotesque things with overflowing toilets, locked doors to keep in the overpowering smells, and a key attached to an anvil the size of a gopher linebacker. But it was impossible not to touch something. Those were strange days. My father drove up to visit me when I lived in Minneapolis once. He was just as proud of how few miles he had on his car as he was of how many one carried. He was more attuned to driving on gravel roads than in the big city. He told me that traffic had been backed up for miles and every car was honking. I learned later that all those vehicles had been behind him. He was a stranger in a strange land. As I was in Jerusalem, each morning i jump out of bed and hurry down the street to get a newspaper. My favorite vendor was a fellow who used rocks to hold his papers in place on the ground. He'd greet me each morning by lifting me off my feet and asking me how old I thought he was. I answered correctly every day except the first, because he told me each morning <laughs> that he was 81 years old. We're all strangers in a strange land in this uh, weird thing we're going through, but. The one thing that stays true, Heartland is still well worth driving past. And cool. taking a look out the window and doing something wild today, looking at a bird, is still a great thing to do. And spending time with Karen Wright is still a wonderful thing. Thanks, okay. everybody, for listening.
0: Thank you, Al. It's great to chat with you again. And we'll be back again next week. Stay cool. You too. Hey, bye bye. Good old friend, Al Bat. Always oh, great.